while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Avery Summers is our guest today, and she is an award-winning actress-singer whose voice has been called a powerhouse by the New York Times. She was honored to replace Nell Cotter on Broadway in Ain't Mr. Haven. On national tours, she delighted audiences as Matron Mama Morton in Chicago, with Cheetah Rivera and Joel Gray, and charmed them as Jewel in the best little whorehouse in Texas with Anne Margaret. Broadway actress Avery Summers will be in New York City October 31st to sing at the Cabaret Convention and will also appear at the Lowry Breachman Theatre to sing love songs, Broadway songs, and a great medley of memorable 60s songs. She will be joined by Tom Hubbard on bass, Don Kelly on percussion, and musical director Dana P. Rowe. Some of Avery's other favorite concert appearances include Carnegie Hall, the Palm Beach Symphony Orchestra, and the Kravitz Center. Just as we are thrilled to have the reasonable voice of Avery Summers as our guest today, Avery is thrilled to be part of the Mabel Mercer Foundation 30th New York Cabaret Convention. So welcome, dear friend Avery Summers, to the Reasonable Voices. How are you? Oh, I am thrilled, and thank you so much for inviting me. It's a joy to talk to an old friend. I know this is going to be so fun. It's just, it's just you know, <laughs> we're going to talk later on in the in, in the second segment about how Avery and I met one another. But I will say I got to see her in Chicago, and that's the only hint you'll get for now. <laughs> but you know, you know, Avery. We in the business never get to talk much to each other unless we're working together. That's the thing, because we're so busy doing what we love doing. But we never forget That's one right. another. We never forget one <laughs> another. Uh, for, yeah. You know, first, before we get into all the New York excitement, tell us a bit about the show you're doing October 21st before you return to New York. Uh, October 21st is a show called In Fight for the Blind, and it's here in South Florida. It's a lovely 
uh, collection, I would say, of Broadway songs. This woman who's directing it is from New York, and she's directing this piece. And it's a big, big fundraiser for this time of year, every year. And uh, so I've been asked to do a couple of songs from Broadway shows that I've done, and I'm thrilled to be a part of, uh, I think there are seven or eight of us who are doing one or two numbers, and then we sort of will ask for uh, donations from the audience mm. for, in, for the blind. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very excited about it. Have you worked with them before, or will this be your first time with them this year? This will be my first time with Insight for the Blind, but it's not my first time to work with uh, the lady who's directing. Her name is Shari Upton, and she's a wonderful director. She does a lot of Jewish theater here in South Florida, but she is known for doing a lot of musicals around the country. She did, I believe she worked on One More Time when it was in New York, uh -huh. going back several years. And uh, so she, she's, uh, she's very good. Excellent. Excellent. All right, let's skip ahead a bit, because November 24th, speaking of directing, you'll, yeah. you'll be directing a play with music. Grab your coat mm -hmm. and get your hat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tell us about that. Well, it is a, it's, it's exactly a play with music about Dorothy Fields. Uh -huh. and, and people may not know her name or remember her, but they will certainly remember her lyrics. And she actually wrote or co-wrote over 400 songs in her years. And uh, um, I don't know, maybe she had partners with most of them, but she certainly was out there on her own as a woman at a time when women were not heralded very much. So when she did things for Annie Get Your Gun, she never got any respect at all. As I would say, she got no respect at all. She wasn't hmm held it, nobody cared. All they wanted to know is that Irving Berlin was a part of it. And he did. He put in the sweat equity, but she also had started the whole idea with Ethel Merman for that. So I think that she should have gotten the credit for it. Okay. So lyricist Dorothy Fields is someone we all want to Google, find out more about. It sounds like an yes. exciting untold story. And this is going to be at the yes. private center? Yes, it is. It's the Clevis Center and in one of their smaller venues called Person, P-E-R-S-S-O-N, Person Hall. And it's starring Patty Chamberlain. Patty Chamberlain is the brainchild of this because it's, she's just so passionate about Dorothy Fields. And so she asked me to come on board and take a look. And together we're actually putting the storyline together. It's going to be no more than 75 to 85 minutes at this point because we, we have a short amount of time to do this mm. along with my schedule and her schedule. So we're acting like it's a, a just a concert with music right now, uh -huh. but it will definitely be a play with music when we're finished. Well, remember me. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> I definitely will. Yes. Okay, listen, by my, you know, keeping up with you has always been a delightful pleasure, but it's also a race <laughs> to do so. <laughs> I want to say, by my calculations anyway, correct me if I'm wrong, because math was never my best subject, but you are about to embark on three different performances in three days in New York City. 
all of which are incredibly exciting. Um, <laughs> so, well, let's start with you. You're performing the songs of um, uh, Anthony Nuziata. Well, tell us about yes. him, his songs, and why you're doing them. Well, Anthony is a, a twin. He and his brother, Will, had, came down to uh, South Florida several years ago. Young men, very talented, very, they reminded me very much of Jerry Lewis in his, in his comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, because, because, you know, twins have a language of their own. Yes. And, uh, and, and very often we could not understand what they were saying <laughs> because they would take the words out of each other's mouths and it just made us all laugh. And, but, but then outside of that, they are really wonderful performers. And now Will is directing a lot of shows on Broadway, off Broadway. And Anthony has changed his focus from just being the two of them to his writing and his solo performances. Hmm. So he did a night at, I believe, 54 Below in New York several months ago at the beginning of the year. And I heard the one song that I'm going to be singing in this coming show. And I wrote to him and told him how wonderful I thought it was. And he said, you know, Avery, when I did this, I was hoping that you were in New York because I think you would just kill this song. So I said, well, send it to me and let me know. (laughs) And um, I fell in love with it. And I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to do just one song in that show that night. But he and his brother have been nominated for Grammy this year. So that's why very exciting to be a part of that show. Yes, and what's the title of the song you'll be singing? One More Star. Okay. All right. Well, um, it, like I said, keeping up with you, it's such a joy just to catch up. And, I mean, in addition to having a great radio show guest, it's a joy <laughs> to catch up on all of this. I mean, what... What, for instance, is the uh, the Monday Night Concert Series? And I think it's in Bruno Walter Auditorium. Tell us about that. That's, That's, go ahead. Yes, it's in Bruno Walter Auditorium. And it's actually on 66th Street in New York. Uh, and it's a part, actually, of that big, big facility that houses Rose Hall, which is where the cabaret convention will be. Uh-huh. So it's a part of Lincoln, the big Lincoln Center complex there mm-hmm. and you're doing uh-huh. you're doing something there uh, October 28th at 6 p.m. that's the show that I'm doing I'm doing that uh, that show uh, in the Bruno Walter auditorium and that's real that's Anthony Nunziata's show uh-huh a night of original yes. music with friends yes 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 that's correct that's correct there are four of us and we're all singing you know some of his music others are singing more than the one song, but he wanted to be sure that this one song had my touch. He said that I could take you to church and bring you back. So <laughs> I've got to, uh, I've got to really um, make sure that I take them to church. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and they may have to get back on their own. That's right. I'll take them back. <laughs> I know you will. I mean, of course, I've heard you sing many times. Um, So you'll be joining a stellar cast of artists on October 29th for Jazz at Lincoln Center in celebration of Frank Lesser? Well, actually, what I will be doing, there's that whole week, starting on the 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st, is a week of performances for the cabaret 
Convention. Uh-huh. Now, the Cabaret Convention was started 30 years ago by Mabel Mercer. Yes. And, and it's curated now by K.T. Sullivan. But Donald Smith, who was a very dear friend of Mabel Mercer's, actually founded the convention to honor Mabel Mercer, who was always playing in the village in New York. Uh-huh. And, and K.T. Sullivan, after Donald Smith passed away, was uh, tasked with actually keeping the convention alive. So in the last, I think, maybe 15 years, she's been the curator of that. And it's just been a joy. And so each night, there will be at least 10 to 15 performers singing maybe one or two songs. There's Frank Lesser night. There's a Dorothy Field night, which is the Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, the, the Thursday night, I'm sorry, the Wednesday night is the music that... Um, was made famous by, uh, gosh, I forget her name now. But then on Thursday night, it's an open night. It's a free night, so we all get a chance to sing whatever song we want. Uh-huh. And it's also Katie's birthday, so we're all singing in, in a, sort of a tribute to her in her birthday. Excellent. So it sounds like it, it, it's, a, it's a trio of nights. If I Again, math is not my best subject, but it's a trio of nights at least, right? October 28th, 29th, thir- did, uh, the 31st. Is something happening on the 30th? <laughs> yes, there's, yes. So it's four nights. Okay, okay. Yeah, there are four nights. And, oh, it's, oh, yes, it's the music that Judy Garland made popular ah. on that Wednesday night. So Monday night is Dorothy Fields. Tuesday night, Frank Lesser, Judy Garland on Wednesday, and the free night on Thursday to honor KT. Excellent. This is all yeah. very exciting. I mean, it's going to be rocking and rolling. I can tell that. We'll we'll go through <laughs> yes, the church and a couple of other places <laughs> on yes, our way home. Yes, indeed. You know, you know, years ago when I lived in South Florida, did a lot of work down there. I, I met a few guys with the a lot of money, and they wanted to buy Burt Reynolds' um, his property where he had shot a number of films, including uh, he had a uh, uh, landing strip there or something, and um, I'm thinking the Sally Field uh, movies. I can't, they, they're escaping my mind. But in any case, I never met Burt. Uh, we just talked to his people. But you have, uh-huh. uh, you have worked with Burt Reynolds. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, I know him very well. Yes. He was my mentor and my teacher and a, and a gentle soul, a gentle giant in my eyes. Yes. He would come from from uh, Los Angeles on night flights and he would call everybody in and we would have master classes with him. And then he put me in different shows. He put me in a show called Whose Life Is It Anyway? That's with right. With Gary Berghoff. Yes. Yes long time ago and it was a lot of fun and and then when he got ready to do a show here called BL Striker which was uh, uh, an ABC series he called me into his office and asked me to read some copy and I read it and he said okay that's very good I've got these people here from ABC and uh, so we'll see you on the set and I said <laughs> oh okay well I was so new and so uninformed <laughs> that I did not know what he meant until it hit me like a ton of bricks as I walked out of the office. I turned around, I ran back in, and I tackled him to the ground. <laughs> and 
and thanked him profusely for choosing me to be in his TV series. So I was one of the regular TV series people in D.L. Striker with Burr Reynolds. All right, yes. All right, it's all coming back to me now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I, I always liked him. I always felt, as I said, I never met him, but everything I heard about him down there as we were going through our things, he... He was a person who reached out to uh, to people with talent, to people who mm-hmm. uh, were genuine, you know, all of those good things, yeah. and uh, he's missed. All right. Um, yeah. We should mention now, we will mention again, but uh, you should visit everyone. Visit uh, the official website of our guest today, Avery Summers. Avery Summers. It's yeah. easy. It's Avery, A-V-E-R-Y, Summers, S-O-M-M-E-R-S, all one word, dot com. Uh-huh. Stay with us. Yeah. We're going to be right back with our Broadway guest, Avery Summers. Stay with us. There's more to come. And now, Broadway's Avery Summers. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. My guest today is Broadway actor-singer Avery Summers. And to remind you of Avery's official website, it's Avery Summers, all one word, lowercase, dot com. That's S-O-M-M-E-R-S. We've been talking a lot about uh, what she's been doing in South Florida, of course, and, of course, her her Broadway experiences and touring with Chicago. And, you know, she's kept great company, including Burt Reynolds and uh, Cheetah Rivera and Joel Gray and Anne Margaret. I mean, you know, and Avery is an amazing talent who is uh, returning to New York 
for an amazing end of October and uh, early November performances. A number of things, and I guess, I mean, they're very they're different performances, uh, but they are, um, they're all happening back to back to one another. How do you hold all that together there, Avery? <laughs> well, um, I'm hoping that I can hold it all together. I think that I can. Um, I, I love, first of all, I just, Absolutely, I'm thrilled once again to uh, be a part of your show and to reconnect with you. This is a joy beyond belief, and uh, we'll just make sure that we keep doing this. Yes. But um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that I will have three different performances in three different days in New York. Uh, the final performance that I will be doing is called uh, For Sentimental Reasons. Yes. It's my 75-minute cabaret show that I've been working on for about a year and a half here in South Florida. It's done very well. And uh, last year, I went to visit with some friends, and a fellow by the name of Richard Skipper asked me to be a part of his show there in the Lori Beachman Theater. And when I finished, he said, somebody needs to give this girl a show. KT and uh, he and KT decided that I needed to be there uh, during the week of the cabaret convention. So that's how this whole thing came about. And so my show is going to be on the 2nd of November. It's a matinee, the 2 o'clock show. New Yorkers are very used to matinees and they love going to the Lori Beachman Theater and it's lovely. So it's going to just be with uh, three amazing musicians. We will take a jaunt down memory lane in certain ways. For fundamental reasons, came about because it was my mom and dad's favorite song. They met in college, ah. and they. My dad was was a fabulous dancer, and so was my mother, mm-hmm. and uh, she was gorgeous. And so they they used to dance too for fundamental reasons. So I chose to call my show for sentimental reasons excellent. for them excellent that is so beautiful yes. how did you get started as a singer what what sort of launched you and how, how young were you when it happened i was five years old i figured uh, yes and, yes and and also you probably figured that it was in a baptist church which yes. it was you know it's at the time that i started singing parents would say to children get up baby and do so and so <laughs> and you would just get up and do it because they said you could. Yes. You know, there was no no doubting, no questioning. And and so I had a little song that I had learned for Sunday school and I got up and I sang that song and and, and that just kind of put a a desire, uh, if you will, mm-hmm. in my heart. And by the time I was in the third grade, I had what I now know was a dream of me singing in public and I saw white lights which turned into candlelight mm. of me singing. And and I don't know where that ever came from. It has never left my mind, but it has always been one of my heart's desires to sing and hopefully take people on a wonderful journey. Yes. I know you've done that for me, and I know you've done it for thousands upon thousands of others. And, <laughs> you know, and you, uh, you just have uh, such an amazing voice and such an amazing acting talent as well. Uh, and, Thank you. and I just 
Well, I, you know, we have so many memories. We're going to share a few of them later. But I wonder if we mentioned that the 30th anniversary of the Mabel Mercer Foundation's cabaret convention is in the Rose Theater in Lincoln Center. I'm not certain we said that, but if we did, we're saying it again. Um, yes. Have, have you ever performed in the Rose Theater at Lincoln Center? Yes, I did, actually. I did um, the cabaret convention in 2010, and that was before Donald Smith passed away. Uh. He was the original curator of the cabaret convention. And uh, he saw me when I did Showboat on Broadway. Yes. And he asked me to be a part of it. And at that time, it was, gosh, that was in 1996. Uh So several years, you know, elapsed uh, before I was able to do it again. And then I did it in 2010, just before he passed away. And I'm so glad because he was just a a jewel of a man. Yes. A sweet knowledgeable, well-liked person in this industry, and I'm glad that I had a chance to cross this path. Yes, and I'm sure many people feel the same way about you and, and our paths uh, intersecting. So much, again, the the jazz uh, events and, and so many people you've worked with, and 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 the cabaret. I, I know I've said this in the intro, but the 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 cabaret convention is uh, thirty years old. This has been going on for a long time, many times throughout its history. I think audiences have sort of uh, come and gone, you know, ebbed and tied with cabaret. But cabaret has staying power. What do you think? I mean, it just it just hangs in there through thick and thin. And I think it's making a serious comeback. What are your thoughts? I think you're absolutely right. Cabaret has always been sort of a small, dark, smoky room kind of feeling for me when I was very young trying to figure out what that meant. And then I started working uh, in New York on Broadway, and the the performers would go on Monday night Mm. after a full week of eight shows a week, they would go to some club and perform more. Yes. You know, (laughs) it's because we just don't know what else to do with ourselves. We go perform more, you know. (laughs) And in these these years since I left New York and wanted to do more, I came back home to South Florida to decide to put together my shows and stand in the crook of a gorgeous uh, piano dressed in a gown that I want to wear and hit the downbeat of songs I want to sing. And that's how I've always described my cabaret performances. And so it has a resurgence like you would not believe. And I am thrilled thrilled about it yes it is it is wonderful and i love all forms of 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 theater in particular i mean i have a career in television but i love broadway off broadway i've directed uh, off broadway and off off broadway and and uh, mm-hmm. and I know what you mean about after the show. We would go even after a rehearsal. We would we would go to the various clubs and if not perform, watch the others perform. I mean, it was just yeah. it's a it's a constant, right? It's a, you don't know where one ends and the other begins. It's just it's a forever thread. How's that? Yeah, and absolutely. That's exactly right. Which is probably probably brings us to I I, I want to talk about your sister, Betty Waldron. Mm. Yes. Oh, boy, 
I tell you, Betty, um, she was a force, wasn't she? Yes, a force she of was. nature. She really was. She <laughs> was. Uh, she taught me just about everything I know about theater as far as how to approach a piece. I had to, under her tutelage, I had to learn to choose a play or a musical, mm. do the casting, do the costuming, do the sets. I had to learn every single phase of it that she knew how to teach. I learned it yes. from her because she always wanted me and others to be well prepared. Yes. Well prepared. Yes. You know, Betty, uh, I, I'm sorry, don't let me interrupt you. Go ahead. I wanted just to say that there was there's no other teacher other than Burt Reynolds who has taught me nearly as much about performing and about theater as she has. And I and I know that uh, and I have a bit of a story. And in case, uh, uh, just so people, you know, I promised we would say how Avery and I met. Well, we met because I had uh, directed her sister Betty Waldron in an amazing uh, show that Betty wrote, and was called uh -huh. uh, is called Charcoal Sketches. In any case, uh -huh. um, Avery was coming to town with in Chicago. And into town, I think, was Tampa, Florida, at the, I believe. So Betty said, well, let's go. And of course, she didn't have to ask me twice. And we hopped in the car and, and saw Avery and absolutely magnificent. Uh, and that was the first time I met her. And then, of course, the joyous personal ride the three of us had on <laughs> a lot more laughing then but uh you know absolutely joyous beautiful ride we had back to uh, betty's home uh what, what what was it fort um it's worth something what was her city where she lived yeah she lived in lake worth La lake worth lake worth florida yeah. yes uh -huh. and and i and i want to um a, a bit about betty and charcoal sketches too that uh she had come to me. I directed her in another show, a great play, uh -huh. The Other Bed. That's what it was. And she, uh -huh. I cast her in that and worked on that. And we did that a couple of times, a couple of runs at the Broward Center in Florida. And she, um, she kept coming to me and said, you know, I want to talk to you about directing something. Well, she finally did. We both found time not so busy, but uh, to talk about it. And she told me about this show. And it's about the uh, Harlem Renaissance and and names of people I've heard of, the Dubois and uh -huh. uh, uh, and um, Zora Neale Hurston. But when I, yeah. I said, she said she wanted, you know, because she'd like my directing. I said, but, but Betty, I don't know anything about the Harlem Renaissance and, and these people. And I never will forget it. She said, don't worry, I'll teach you. <laughs> and she did. And she did. And it was, an, and she gave an amazing performance, and and accepted. By the way, I changed everything about the previous performances, and she went with that, and the audience just went wild. I mean, she had a standing ovation the first time she did a transition. She played three different characters, as you know, and when she came around uh -huh. that corner and just stepped, having become a different person right before their eyes, uh -huh. they just <laughs> stood and went wild. But anyway. Yeah. It's marvelous to re, uh, reconnect with you and and Betty too in our way, uh, and Burt Reynolds too, and uh, you know, and all the people we've known and worked with and loved on our way. But tell us now, yeah. back to you, Avery. The what are what are your parting words for 
for those who are going to see you soon in New York perform, but also for those along your journey and for those who are just beginning the journey, perhaps, in our field. Wow. <laughs> yeah, take your time. Uh, we want to know. You know, that's a, those are loaded questions, and they're, and they're loaded great questions, actually. To get started, I, I, I can only say it's a day-by-day walk with your uh, personal desires and how important are those things and your self-talk. You've got to be able to understand who you are and where you're headed and what you want to accomplish. And you cannot allow anyone to stray you from your path. If you do, you will end up being the the sorry person for having done that. So listen to your own small voice inside. And I think that that's uh, what will help you and guide you. And, And then along that way, that's what I've been able to do. Fortunately, I had a sister, my sister Betty, and then my other sister, my parents, as a matter of fact, yes. who always said to me that I could do anything I wanted, and I believed them wholeheartedly. I trusted their words. So yes. when I would dash out on something, I would always have the reminder in the back of my mind that my parents said, I could do anything I want to do. But they also said, but you know you can always have a soft landing by coming home. Yes. And that was the thing that, that really kept me going, knowing that I could come home if I had to in the end. If I had to, I could come to a soft landing. So I'm hoping that with my music and, and, and the things that I'm going to be doing this uh, in the week that I'm in New York, uh, I will bring some joy and take people on a wonderful journey that they will have enjoyed going on with me as the conductor of that train. Well, you have done it before, and there's no reason to doubt that you'll do it again. You have been <laughs> such an inspiration to so many people, such an incredible talent. I, I still you. remember the first time I saw you sing, and I just, and I've and never forgotten it, never forgotten it. And I'm telling ah. you the truth, at least... At least once in any endeavor I've done in show business, any show I've directed, I've just gotten back from working on a number of of videos in in D.C., you come up because of your discipline and your talent. And I mention you. I just want you to know. So there. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. All right. Is there, we we probably should go soon, but is there a a different website or is averysummers.com all we need to find out what's going on with you and your life? How's that? Yes, that is it. Uh, I will be adding new things as uh, this year winds down and we start 2020. There are several wonderful projects that I'm working on and hopefully uh, some of those things will include you. Absolutely, without a doubt. Well, I certainly welcome that opportunity, and thank you so much, Avery Summers. Avery, um, can't be any goodbyes. No, 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 no. No goodbyes. No goodbyes. I'll see you very soon. See you very soon. Thank you so much for being on the show. We wish you you all the very best up and down the East Coast and everywhere. How's that? I'll take it. Thank you, dear. (laughs) Thank you, Marcello. God bless you. God bless you, too. Bye now. Okay. Bye-bye. And now, my friend, Broadway's Avery Summers.
this time For the first time Love won't hug you all the way He will hold Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us, becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Elijah Cummings, Trump, Pence, impeachment, and other changes changing us. Trump's Turkey Kurdish fiasco, Pence Pompeo ceasefire facade, and bedbug ridden self serving deflated Doral trial balloon, notwithstanding. Change we can, seeing is believing, in, is here. Iceland's dynamic melting visuals reproaching what's in a name, disappearing the biggest lies we tell ourselves. Conservative denial of the disastrous potential to life on Earth from America's ice, Alzheimer's, and climate change. With weather increasing focus on the climate of climate change, we've overlooked the equally important piece of the newest, more politically palatable, two-word brand for global warming, change. 
Although we have often lived in the best of times, since 20 January 2017, America is living in one of the worst of times. Indeed, a tale of two countries, wounded by derisive division that can incite, depending on we the people, either revolution or reconciliation. Change within is our best way out. For every action there is a reaction. Even in the fog hovering over our rising swamp, despite veiled Facebook misinformation, camouflaged religious hypocrisy, and hijacked justice for all women, all LGBTQ, and all people of color, our fourth estate has even joined in our recapturing the courage to see, welcome, and embody America's historical quest for the inevitable progression of change quite possibly, come hell or high water. Actionable change. Deny escape clauses for vendors causing deaths by opiate overdose. An unprotected grid in order to pay for oil wars. Eyes wide shut reaction to business-owned government inviting moral and ethical decay. For no longer can we deny we are either in an age of rediscovering truth or an age of tragic suicide decline. We know who the culprits are who played us against each other. Now we need to heroically recognize and publicly acknowledge the change beckoning us to replace them. We need be students of America's youngest voters and better examples for non-voters, because the greatest change for humankind and life as we know it is upon us, ready or not. Women still deny gender and income equality by men desperately clenching the Constitution behind their backs while holding up their hand declaring to all females this far but no further, now stand tall against past, present, and future sexual harassment and assault, tipping the scale of national recognition toward individual accountability. While we may not be able to completely remedy global climate change, we can cure ourselves of our current administrative disease, so apathetic to anything except its unquenchable gluttony for power to inflict all with the worst we can be. Such lack of empathetic leadership needs to be dethroned, and along with its worshipping cronies, fellow criminals, and pernicious underbelly defying patriotism as anti-female, anti-gay, and anti-diversity, marked discontinued. Following 20 January 2001, we the people, having chosen to be blinded by narrow religiosity, raced headlong from Oro in the Oval, chasing the ambulance of political mirage right into horrific foreign wars and increased domestic bloodshed, deserting stewardship for the health of Earth, our precious environment, and all life dependent upon either. Resisting the reality of change, we've created a climate era, bequeathing our children both current climate mass migration inland, terrorized by the reality of our very own disappearing shorelines, proving once again denial terminates thinking and vision. Since the first 100 days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's administration, when compared to the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, with inhumane exceptions, of course, have been the lesser of two evils for voter consideration. So any political frustration of Jimmy Carter, Al Gore, Bernie Sanders, and Hillary Clinton is understandable. But while three have moved on, clearly one has not. Nonetheless, 
Stronger Together is key to our forward movement after fear of job loss from a dying industry, anger for not being visited by a National Party nominee, and 2016 damage to trust in our electoral process. It wasn't only Putin's Russian hackers. It was GOP gerrymandered state legislatures, compromised computers, an electoral college sorely in need of 21st century updates. And it was Americans who abstained from the voting privilege of citizenship. What I learned from my mentors, a conservative Texas Democrat and a Virginia progressive activist, about America's bipartisan addiction to corporatism, self-serving, oil-driven, empire-building U.S. foreign policy, and, as a veteran, suggests what Tulsi Gabbard has espoused falls short of how my mentors define a Democrat. Nonetheless, we need to unearth our unity, because every death on earth directly or indirectly caused for American profit disavows who we claim we are. Beware, it is not the strongest species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the ones most responsive to change. Charles Darwin. The point is, not only losing Bill Macy, Robert Forster, Thomas D'Alessandro III, and congressional giant Elijah Cummings, but every core value we bury diminishes America. Whether we like it or not, change reveals, terrifies, and challenges our balance, both individually and nationally. But welcoming it elevates community and common sense to common cause. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice blog talk radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Music